Hey, what is going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Positively Cynical. You are joining us today on this episode a couple of days after the 20th now anniversary uh, of September 11th. Um, and we were having some feelings about it. So we think we're going to talk about it today. Uh, but first, a couple of things that I want to get out of the way. Uh, we are not recording remotely this week. Everybody is in the room with us today. Yay! We're all here in the same room together talking about such a fucking cheery subject, right, y'all? So cheery that we're going to talk about this. And, Happy uh, fall! Yeah! Let's do the introductions. <laughs> I am Jose. What is going on, y'all? What's up, world? Question here. And we have a guest with us. Hello, hello, my name is Teresa. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've uh, decided to have Teresa join us for a few upcoming episodes um, for some much needed perspective beyond the perspective that we provide. So you'll be hearing from her a little bit more in a few upcoming episodes. Um, and yeah, today's episode, like I said, is going to be about 9-11. Just as a quick reminder, the best way to support your favorite podcast crew is to like, rate, share, and subscribe to any and all of our content, whether you check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We might have to get a TikTok, y'all. Time for a TikTok. We the clock tap uh, is calling. Oh, man. And do we have to? Uh, we might have to get a TikTok, yeah, I think, because there's a lot of exposure on TikTok. But we're not going to do anything different than what we do on, like, say, Instagram or whatever. Just I guess little clips. Social media by another name. Sure. Yeah, it's social media by another name. It's just the, the latest trend. It's the latest big trend. I got a nice little lapel mic that you can strap on now every once in a while if you <laughs> want to do a little quick video and not have to do this whole fucking setup. But yeah, support us on all your favorite social media platforms. We will not have a TikTok by the time y'all hear this episode, but I'll try to get it on <laughs> online as quickly as possible. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. And definitely rate us on Apple Podcasts. That is, of course, one of the best ways. If y'all are looking for great ways to support your favorite podcast crew, rotating crew, rotating crew of, of uh, lovely, intelligent people, check us out on there and slide into our DMs if y'all have any feedback, if y'all have any topics that you're interested in hearing about or anything else that you want to comment on. If you see us in our little shorts and you think we look cute, you're allowed to slide into our DMs about that too. So, <laughs> yeah. Today's conversation, right, y'all? This is a fun one. Today's conversation is all about September 11th, uh, 2001, which is now on the 20th anniversary. And today's episode is, you know, it's not something that I was necessarily planning on having a conversation about. And I'm going to have to put this out there that, you know, question you were feeling uh, some type of way when we were walking earlier. Uh I think what you said was something about how similar the day was. So, like, tell me a little bit about what you were feeling earlier that kind of led you to want to have this conversation today. Well, no, I was just saying that uh, when we were walking earlier, it was interesting. I wasn't here on 9-11. I was in Michigan. I went to, to school out there, and I wasn't here on that day. But from what I understand... A uh, day like today, it's pretty sunny. The sky is blue. Mm -hmm. Perfect day, close to fall. Yeah. And it was just like this when all that happened 20 years ago today. 
and yeah. you know, as nice as a day as it is outside, I don't know, just in the back of my head, I just can't get out of my head what day it is. You know what? When did you first start thinking about the fact that this day was approaching? I feel like for my own personal experience every year, and this is maybe, I don't know if, if what kind of judgment this is on me, but every year, like the, the closer we get to the day, or I should say, like, I start to remember what day it's going to be the closer and closer we get to the actual day. Cause you know, when it just happened, it could be like, no, like September 1st, as soon as September strikes, you're thinking about it. And yeah. like, I didn't really start thinking about it until the 10th or the 9th, I guess in the evening when they started to have some reminders and I saw like some memorials and then the lights come up in New York city and that kind of like solidifies it for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the same with me also, but again, being in New York, I think it's entirely different because one of the incidents happened right here. Mm. So I'm not saying it's not a big deal for people outside of New York, it's a huge but deal, it's a right? huge deal here. Uh -huh. Um, and yeah, I will admit that I didn't really think about it so, so much. You're right. When September kind of rolls around here, you do, your mind kind of turns that way because it's something that we as New Yorkers collectively experienced, even those of us that weren't here mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. weren't here yet in some instances. Right. right. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I was in uh, Michigan. I was outside of uh, New York when this happened. It was actually primary day, if I recall. Um on that Tuesday mm -hmm. and I woke up at whew, 8.48, I think, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> you remember exactly <laughs> when you Well, I mean, it's one of okay. those days, no, because yeah. it's one of those days, you know, you remember every little detail, at least I sure. kind of do. It's one of those, you remember when kind of things. Wait, like refresh my memory, like my brain fart. You're in a, a different time zone by about an hour. No, no, at, no, no. It's no. the same time zone. This is the same time zone. So okay. this happened Excuse as it was happening. Uh -huh. okay. um, so I had a radio on um, to a station in Detroit. And literally, I woke up to, hey, the plane just you know crashed into the World Trade Center, the first building. Mm. And on the radio, it's pretty much like, oh, you know, who's stupid enough to crash a plane into the <laughs> building? Because... I mean, you thought, I mean, I didn't know it's happened it before. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know? it's a total building if it gets a propeller after. plane, and after. right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So at first, you're just kind of like, you know, what a dumbass, you know, who crashed a plane. I didn't know, no one knew that it was, you know, a freaking, you know, commercial airplane at the time. I thought it was like a propeller plane or whatever. And then I woke up and I was like, all right, that's weird, odd. I went outside of my room and I went into the living room. And my roommate was watching the Today Show, and the TV was on. Mm. And that's when I saw okay the first plane going. I was like, "That's really weird." Okay, mm. you know, I just woke up like three minutes ago. Yeah. You know, so I'm Your just trying brains to in that yeah. liminal space between yeah. full consciousness. Yeah, and all I know is it's New York <laughs> World Trade Center. Are you dreaming? I'm not there. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a couple of minutes later, all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of thinking, was that an accident? Was that, you know, intentional? And then you see that second plane go in and then you're just like, all right, come on now. That's just, that's intentional. There's no doubt about it. Like some, something's going on here. They Somebody's might, throwing darts at these buildings. Yeah, right someone, now. this is an act of war one way or the other. And because someone's trying to throw down against America. Somebody's putting, you know, the hammer down. Mm -hmm. You know, it was definitely a statement with that second plane. And... 
you know, I still couldn't, you know, decipher all of this because I had to get ready to go to class. <laughs> so, and you know, I'm I have a ten o'clock class and I'm getting ready. I leave, and it's about nine forty or so. I'm walking to my first class. I'm trying to call my folks, everybody else. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell is going on? Can you just like, for context, tell us like where your folks were? Oh well, my dad, um, he worked in Lower Manhattan at that time. Mm-hmm. I, was, oh yeah, he worked by Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Um, Anywhere so on Wall Street far. is relatively close. Yeah, <laughs> and my mother, she was uptown, so she was away, you know, from the whole thing. But I also had an aunt who worked in the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my mind already went to, okay, what the hell's going on with her? But I was still trying to figure out, you know, again, I had to get ready for class. So I wasn't, you know, glued to the TV like it was. I didn't know it was going to be as serious as it was at the time. So as I was going to class and trying to call my folks, um, I guess all the wires, all the circuits, whatever were done in New York, it was yes, really hard to were. get, mm-hmm. you know, calls through. So I get through the office. I hear he's not in yet. I can't get through to my folks. I can't get through to anybody. So I'm like, all right, I'll go to class. Go to class about 1130. It's over. It's now and I have class. In this time, apparently, that's an all hella broke loose. I didn't know any of this at the time. But I walk into class and I was on my way to my next class. I had a full schedule on Tuesdays that time. And they said, Oh, you have to go back home because there was a bomb threat that was called against the school. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's like, holy crap, we all went home. And that's when I heard also when I came out of class, it was weird. I was when we were going into class, because there were people who had an eight o'clock class, and they didn't know anything that was happening. So as they were coming out, we were telling them, yo, the twin tower, something's going on. Like, go find the Yeah, like basically like it's just happening, you know, go figure out what's going on. We had class. So when we came out of class at 11.30, that's what was happening, pretty much the same thing with us. That's when we found like out. Your, your friends that were walking into walking out of class Yeah, and coming into the you. class. That's when we were just kind of, that's when, when you were walking out As we were coming out of class, that's when the towers fell. I was like, what do you mean the towers fell? Like, that's when it was just like, what? Because I had no idea. So I went back to my place, and that's when I saw everything on TV. And that's when I was just like, holy crap. I had no idea. Um, for all this time. And again, my aunt was there in the Twin Towers. Some my mind's all over the place. I would imagine like at this point, you're still probably trying to get in contact with just about everybody, even once you got out of class, yeah. right? Like, I'm trying to reach you. Like, how long does that go? <laughs> First of all, <laughs> yeah. you know, Who gets to me like, you were easily you know, accessible at that time. Sure. Um, I had a cell among phone. Others. Yeah, yeah but cell, cell phones, phone. that was, you know, it was kind of, I want to say it was primitive, but definitely not to the technology it was now. Yeah, and I would have to pay for that call because it wasn't 9 p.m. So yeah. Like, <laughs> Don't sprint, right? But. I would just, just like... Just text me, but don't text me too many times because, you know, 500 message limit or whatever. Yeah. Your plan back then. You know. Uh, but yeah, so you were trying to find uh, a hell of a lot of people at this point. Yeah. So. And I started getting through to people. I got through to my folks and I got through to my grandfather and I got through to you and some other people. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to feel better, but nobody came from my aunt. So okay. that's now it's just like, again, you know, your mind's racing. You're just kind of thinking about it. And I remember I was supposed to meet up with a friend of mine for dinner that night. He was just coming in. 
Coming in from uh, from, from uh, California. Okay. And we went out to eat, and you know we're talking about just all the craziness that's happened this whole day. And while we were eating, I found out that they found my aunt, and she had gone through her own craziness that day. She survived, thank God. Do you want to share any of what of what she went through? Um. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Take a take a moment if you wow. need it. It's okay. Take a it's moment. If you need it. Be. This is an emotional day. I mean, it at least it, it it is for us. Even though I think you know the three of us generally we're blessed not to have lost anybody that day. It's still emotional. So I get it. I mean, you're you're making me emotional with your emotion. So I understand. Take a moment. Compose yourself. And think about, if you want, if you still want to continue and go ahead and tell a little bit of that story about what your aunt went through, or if you want to take a minute and have one of us talk a little bit about something from our perspective, that's okay too. You just let me know what you want to do, buddy. It's okay, question. It's okay. It's all good. You can listen to the sounds of the of the birds in the background to kind of chill things out for a moment. <sighs> and I'll tell you that, like, when I get wow. to my to my part of the of the tale from that day, that like I had a similar experience with my brother, so I think I'm good now. But wow, I did not expect that at all. Wow, you know our brains remember traumatic experiences in what they call like light bulb or flash bulb memories, right? Those memories have a richness in detail that the general consistent happiness of day-to-day life does not imprint in that same way. So it is completely understandable that, excuse me, once you start those memories, right, and you experience the entire thing, the emotions come back. It's just in our programming. Like for me in terms of what triggers my memory of that more than anything else. And it's, it's not a positive experience in really any way, because I'll tell you that I, I've only been to the memorial that's down there once, just once. I was down in the area and I decided to go there in passing. I had not made a plan of it or anything like that. And I went down there and I went to the memorial, you know, where they have the imprint of the tower and kind of that like waterfall that goes over and it's like the, the whatever it is there, the, the infinity imprint that kind of goes down. You see the names of people kind of imprinted on the, the barrier between you and the imprinted area of where the towers stood. Um, and, you know, that brought up a lot of like emotion in me when I did that. It was a few years ago. I think it was about three or four years ago. That was the one and only time that I went because I was down there for work. Right. So I decided to stop by and it obviously was emotional, regardless of the fact that like I was blessed enough not to have lost somebody on that day. Uh, you know, there's still the emotion of you see the names of all these people. You see all these people that were lost and that passed away that day. One of the most affecting things is when you see like two people like whose like family names are the same and it might be like two people in the same family that were in the building for some reason or on the on the airplane and you start to see a lot of that and that's kind of something that makes me feel 
in some type of way, for lack of a better way to put it, um, you know, whole families being lost in the tragedy. But the thing that I really, really kind of almost infuriated me about the experience is like, you see people kind of smiling and taking pictures, taking selfies, trying to look pensive, trying to do all this like, like performative bullshit that like really did not sit well with me at all. Um, we all, I guess, grieve in our own way, right? Some people laugh through grief, but I didn't get the sense that anybody was really there other than be like, you know, the tourist at the Holocaust like museum have, like, taking smiling movie, selfies yeah. or something like that, you know, just to kind of almost mock the situation. It's, it's, it seemed and felt mocking to me. And I know that I probably attached that maybe to some people that were genuinely there to work some shit out and just didn't do it in some way that I would. Right. That's certainly possible. There's certainly a couple of people there that maybe want to laugh about it, like somebody that used to make them laugh all the time a little bit or used to take selfies by the World Trade Center. They want to experience a memory that way. But that's that's always been something that like I can't really return to that place because the emotion gets very overwhelming when I go there to the actual area where the memorial is. And I have not been in the new tower. I've not been in there. I've been in there, I think, once or twice for work. But, you know, the area around it is pretty much built up again. Mm-hmm. They have the Oculus. They have the Path Train. I've been in the Oculus quite a few times. And yeah. I don't know if you guys have been able to get down there. I've been there a it's couple of times as well. I've been there once. Amazing feat of architecture. Yeah. Um, but uh, they have – I mean, they're building. They're trying. You know, they have – other businesses that are trying to go into the new World Trade Center, new-ish, I guess at this point, it's been up for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of stores that are starting to be, uh, that's going to come in, that are, you know, in the buildings adjacent, I think in three World Trade Center and, you know, a couple of other ones. Um, the pandemic. Well, it was kind of a big moment also when the, when the train station reopened over there as well, right? That was kind of a nice marker of like the progress. That have been made over the years. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the World Trade Center station, you know, was closed for quite a while. Again, I can't say, you know, you have more of a New York City in the city experience than I had. Or I did. I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know more probably about, like, how the city was, like, you know, the hours, the days after that. Um, I, I always kind of, in a way... It was weird. I kind of like felt like an outsider in a sense, as far as a moment. I, I felt kind of guilty not being here in a sense. Um, I mean, you grew up here in New York. Yeah, New and York I City. wasn't here when it happened, but I knew people who were here. I knew people who were close. You know, family. again, family, family. Thank God, you know, it could have ended a whole lot differently. You know, for my end, for other people I knew, still know that you know around that day, and that weren't you know that far away from the towers. You know, From and ground zero, as yeah, it came to be known. And at least for me, when I came back, it was around Thanksgiving time, and that was the first time I had gone to see ground zero right after I had to go. I had to go when I came back. Um, you, you mean you like you felt compelled to go there yeah. personally? Yeah, I had to go back, okay, because I wasn't here for it. I just, yeah, yeah, I had to. See I had to see it. I just couldn't believe eyes. the towers were gone. I mean, even though you hear it on TV, whatever else, I mean, you're, you see it every day. You take it for granted. 
you know what happened in 1993, the first time that it was bombed, and that was it was a tragedy, not to this extent, but it was horrible what happened in 93. But, you know, it kind of fades off into memory. Well, and if, then, you, if you could, let it, let's hold on to that for a little bit, if you could, like kind of hold on to how you felt when you first came back after, like it all occurred and after you first came back and like took a moment to kind of emotionally and literally take in what had occurred. Well, what I want to do, if I can actually, is like, Teresa, if I could like ask you kind of what you experienced and what it was yeah. like for you on that day. <laughs> I've done um, enough talking. <laughs> no, no, it's not that you've done enough talking at all. I want to get back to that point for sure. But let's let's move to this perspective. Maybe we'll get to what I felt and, and experienced on the day, and then we'll come back to this in a bit. So September 2001, I was... Uh, two weeks from starting my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was still in my hometown, small town, Montana, uh, working my high school job at the drive up ice cream slash soda shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I had come in early to clean the milkshake machines mm-hmm. and had the radio, playing a, a, a CD rather than the news. And my boss walked in and just flat out stated what had happened, that that two airline uh, airliner jets had hit the Twin Towers and that they had fallen. So I got it all at once, sort of as a blanket statement. <laughs> and then yeah. having... No, I mean, we turned the radio on at that point, right? But having no visuals yet and being at work, I worked my shift. I went back to my parents' house and, like everyone, joined the the news showing it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Growing up in very small town montana like new york is one of those places that a magical version of it lives in the realm of mythologized fantasy of places to escape to okay you know i grew up on seinfeld i grew up on <laughs> yeah friends yeah. right in junior high totally realistic my f- oh, yeah. magic new york right <laughs> yep. oh yeah, yeah. I, I had a <laughs> I had a friend's T-shirt in junior high that had the Twin Towers on it in outline mm-hmm. above the the friend's script, and you see friend shirts yeah, out man. and about all the time these days, but they have not reprinted that one. I will tell you that. Interesting. Okay, I didn't even think about. That. I didn't that's even true. realize that's either, but now you think about it, it's true. Yeah. Uh-huh. That okay. skyline was iconic, and being a small town girl who desperately wanted to escape to the big city, mm-hmm. it was like watching Olympus fall before your eyes right yeah like yeah i i didn't know a single person there yet right i i had visited once but it just watching an icon fall yeah and then from there traveling to college and starting college in the immediacy of the post 9 11 world 
Um, one of my classmates uh, was an Air Force brat uh, who flew from Germany, where he and his parents lived, to start college. Mm-hmm. His parents weren't allowed to come with him. They had to go, well, here's your suitcase, here's your stuff. We can't fly, but yeah. we, we got permission for you to go to college. Yeah. Right? And in some yeah. ways... Uh, orientation was as much about trying to process together from all of our disparate places, Mm -hmm. though largely more West Coast centric, um, trying to process everything that was happening from a distance. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel that as far as, at least from a Michigan perspective, but for me, at least my experience in college was that there were a lot of people from different places, um, not from the Midwest, but quite a few from New York. Um, Including a former classmate yeah, of yeah. ours right, so, from high school. Yeah. So so that had to be like an interesting dynamic between the two. You said it always was like you guys were kind of, yeah. y'all were kind of companions. Yeah. But it was weird because. But this was different, I would imagine. Well, it was, I mean, for everybody, I mean, it was kind of like you're going through a shit experience with everyone in Michigan. But again, there were quite a few people from New York. So it just kind of hit us a little bit harder. I guess, I don't know if it could but uh, you could just kind of see it on people's faces at least the people i knew who were from the city where it was just kind of like damn you know like they got the twin towers that kind of thing it just it kind of you know, it kind of hits you a little hard and you know they well i guess more or less to well right now i guess my head's a little scattered brain i mean to be honest i will say this wasn't the original plan that we had as far as conversation. No, we were actually okay. setting up for another conversation <laughs> and then just kind of rolled into this just as far as the day. And I just said, well, let's just kind of wing this and just see where it went. And I, mean, I think it was a good idea. I mean, I didn't realize I needed this more. You had some emotions. And I thought I did. Well, this is therapeutic a little bit. Maybe I mean, this will it, be. It ended up being. We'll see what happens in when this I... instance. But. <laughs> When I start to break down a little bit after my tail, whatever it is. Yeah. But I mean, I say for, you know, the day and for what's going kind to of up to today, as far as stuff you've on TV, watched on TV, I should say, we're on the news past couple of days with it being the 20th anniversary. One question we can dive into somewhere, maybe in a little bit, is kind of like those ripple effects. You know, we you know, like the last conversation we had. Well, shit. I mean, in a way, this is kind of like a good bookend to <laughs> we have guys that conversation, right? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of the cause and the effect. Twenty years later, twenty how years affect, later, we got out of that war, and we now have to go to the airport. Or not. You know, yeah. I mean, again, was it worth it? You gotta. Yeah, you, you can kind of dive into it a little bit. The way that it changed <laughs> how you approach going to, to the, the airport. airport. Yeah, that's certainly like something that's changed a lot. Yeah. All right. So let me, I'll tell my my tale of my remembrance of that day, and then we can move on to a, 
another facet of the conversation, perhaps. Um, I would like to still hear that story if you'd be interested in telling it. But again, we don't have to jump on that necessarily. And then I do want to remind you, I do want to definitely hear about what it was like for you to return for the first time. We kind of got that perspective from you, Teresa, because you were on your way fucking here, essentially, when it occurred. Like, well, not really, but like, you were just about to be, right? So, yeah. Um, for me, who was here when, when this occurred um, on the day, I remember... What was I working at the time? I think I was working at like the sports authority or something like that. Like, and I was off from work that day and I was in bed. I think like, like, I guess everybody, but Teresa, we were all fucking asleep (laughs) being lazy assholes. And like, um, you know, I was in bed and I remember I was woken by the first phone call from my father my father probably reacted to it very similarly to you question. He was like, yeah, some asshole just hit the fucking first tower. So like, <laughs> just so you know, you know, it was kind of like, I guess one of those things that uh, it seemed relatively harmless at the time, like a relatively harmless accident, but like you would still, my dad was still felt compelled to be like, Hey, uh, let me wake you up to tell you this mm-hmm. news. Something crashed into the building. Um, and I fell back asleep. I decided to go back asleep for a little bit. I was like, because I don't want to say I was totally nonchalant about it. Obviously, it's terrible for something like that to happen. But I was like, it's happened before. I'm kind of tired. That's horrible. I'm going back to sleep. It's just something you just, look, it's, honestly, your mind just in process. Especially, look, you I like me, I was woken up by it like you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, wait, what happened? Okay, I'm not ready for that yet. Goodbye. You yeah. know, it's kind of like. Yeah, give me a little bit of time to process it. So I can't blame you. And for... I was in the earliest time zone. Yeah, it was no, two funny. hours earlier. I was thinking about it when you were talking. I was like, wait, it's two hours behind in Montana. So uh huh. Super early. Yeah. When all yeah. This happens. Yeah. You got to clean the milkshake machines before customers, right? They got to be ready for the day. <laughs> That's why McDonald's has been fucking it up for years. And there is a federal investigation going on in regards to that. Actually, I think by the Securities and Exchange Commission. So <laughs> so it turns out that McDonald's only recently won the right to clean and ser- no to service their own machines uh, because the yeah. machines are a like very that. particular brand, right? And within the sales contract, they can only be serviced right. by the owner of that brand. Wow. A lot of McDonald's are franchises, mm-hmm. right? And the service fees, it's like, you know, what they used to say about inkjet printers. It's the cost of the ink where they get you, right? Yeah. It's the cost of the service. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, right. you're right. I've definitely heard that recently in the news, I think with Biden and other, others talking about like the right to service and, and things of that nature. So that about the essentially about the ice cream machines being up early in the morning <laughs> before all of us early to rise. Um, so I went back to sleep. Right, my mm-hmm. lazy ass went back to sleep. Yeah. I wasn't cleaning no ice cream machines, and I wasn't getting ready to go to class. I was ready to go back to bed and sleep off all the shit that I had probably done the night before. I'm not really sure. I was about I was 21 years old, I think, at the time, so I probably did some shit the night before. Uh, I went back to bed. And my dad, of course, calls back when the second tower hits. And I still had that kind of feeling that you talked about earlier where you're still half asleep. You know, like, am I dreaming what's going on right now? 
the second conversation I'm having about, right? Is this deja vu? Is this, or is something actually occurring here? And like my mind was slowly waking up. I went over from my bedroom down the hallway into the living room and I turned on the television. Um, my dad was still on the phone. I don't even remember what I said. I don't remember what I said. It was just that much. What really do you say? Going on. Yeah. What do you say? Right? Like, oh my God, holy shit. What, like, what the hell are you supposed to even exactly. say in that moment? And I, I remember that that's when I, in the middle of the conversation, I kind of like, I didn't drop the phone, but like I kind of stopped paying attention to what my dad was saying. I just started staring slack jawed at the television and all the emotions started to come out like, holy fucking shit. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. It, it's not just because you saw the first one. I don't think I, I don't remember if I turned on television after the first tower got hit. I probably did not. And then you turn on the television, you see the extent of the damage. Right? You figure, okay, just there's probably a little fire on the building on a floor or two, maybe some some damage to a corner of it where the plane kind of went in and maybe wrecked that aspect of the building. And then you see several floors on fire and you see smoke billowing out of the fucking thing. And for me, at that moment is when you're starting to get awake and I had the same realization of you as you did, of course, question where you start to think about like, holy shit, who I know, who do I know that is around there? Probably right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my mind friend went to a couple of acquaintances. I knew somebody that worked in the gap in the mall that was underneath the World Trade Center. He was also not there that day. He decided to fucking take a day off probably because he had done something fucking crazy the night before because <laughs> he was a 21 year old. <laughs> <laughs> Good day to call out. Good day to Oof. call out, right? Because he would have been right under that collapse. Yeah. Right under that collapse. And you would hope that at, as soon as this occurred, whoever was in that fucking mall or in that train station, they would say, everybody get the fuck out of here because there's two buildings on fire above us. Two gigantic, the two, two of the largest buildings on the planet on are on fire right? yeah. above us. Two of the, two of the, great totems of Babylon are in flames above us. And the next person that I thought of was like, my brother doesn't work in the building, but he worked uh, down by like John street at the time, like 111 John street, which is not too far away from there. And at this point, I'm going to ask again to be sensitive. If you would like, to tell the tale of what your aunt went through, because this is where I can get into what my brother went through. We sort of, I don't have, I'm not going to get into too much gory detail, but what we all kind of went through emotionally and what he went through in actuality in order to deal with what occurred that day. Hmm. Well, as far as my aunt, as far as the story I was told goes, um, I knew she worked in one of the towers. I couldn't remember which one. I think she was in the second tower because she got she was at work she worked on the fifth floor of the world trade center second tower and she just got to work that day mm-hmm. and she didn't see the first plane crash into the building mm-hmm. but she felt the vibration and she heard the crash so she was like okay something right here and she wasn't sure whether to stay, whether to go, because again, you just hear this stuff. You don't really, again, she's trying to process it too, and she's there. So 
something in your mind said, you know what, maybe I should kind of start walking towards the door. But, yeah. you know, she was kind of like in that, you know, in between like, what the hell's going on? And then a couple of minutes later, the second plane hit. Mm-hmm. And basically right before the second plane hit, she more or less made the decision, I'm getting out of here. So <laughs> she was telling a bunch of people around because she just had like this weird premonition. She was just like, something right around here. Like, just because that tower, you know, had an issue you know, we need to, doesn't mean that we're still, you know, in the clear. So she told a bunch of people around her, you know, I think we should leave, you know, just, I don't know, I have a weird feeling about this whole thing. Some people left, some people stayed. She left and pretty much right after she said that, that's when the second plane hit. And then she was able to leave and she got out, she was on the fifth floor. So for her, it was pretty close to the bottom again, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, she was outside and again, you know, you're disoriented. You're trying to process the whole thing as far as to see what's around you. And again, we knew that not even 10 years before the towers had been attacked prior. So again, your mind's all over the place. So she's standing outside. They're all staying outside, just trying to figure out what next to do. And cops and the firefighters are trying to figure out what, to do as well they're telling people to move and you know just kind of keep on going and as she's pretty much you know going i guess north where the towers are um that's when the towers fell so you know she ran pretty much and like everybody else that was down there got covered and all that stuff and whatever else um she was disoriented she didn't she knew where she was for you know for a couple of hours Cell phone service was down. Nobody could reach her. My uncle couldn't reach her. Um, we finally got a hold of her later on that night, like around... Like into the evening? Yeah. Hours? Like as the sun was going down. Okay. Um, but, you know, you're thinking the worst, you know, the whole time. I'm trying that whole day just to kind of think positively. But, you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's just more a matter of... You know, I haven't heard from her. You know, you're thinking, you're trying to think good thoughts. Well, and transportation had been shut down, mm-hmm. right? The subways were not running. They weren't letting cars on and off the island. Mm-hmm. People were yeah. having to walk on foot. Yeah, we were using the bridges essentially to evacuate people yeah. on foot. And so, again, I felt helpless. You know, I mean, just we being all, where I we was. really I all think, did. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, guys, I am sure I wasn't alone, but you know, you know, she had to run when the towers fell. I remember when I heard the towers fall. Honestly, maybe it was me being foolish. I thought, honestly, when I heard the towers fall, it was more kind of like the tip kind of like snapped over and fell. I really didn't think it imploded. I mean, it just blew my mind when it just kind of crumbled into itself because, I mean, it just collapsed. It just seemed like it was so easy. Yeah. uh, We didn't know as much about how architects built things intentionally back then, right? We've got like the King Kong version of like buildings breaking into pieces because it was so unreal. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a similar kind of, I think that everybody kind of had the conversation before this occurred. And this is the conversation that turned into a lot of conspiracies afterward. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's a, another good conversation maybe to have, even though we've already had the conspiracy theory conversation. I saw an article recently. I can't recall where it came from, but 
so I can't cite it directly, but a lot of the conspiracies that we experienced today were emboldened and jumped off from that period of time after September 11th because of a lot of distrust of how the investigation was handled. And of course, you saw all of the talk about steel beams Mm -hmm. and free fall speed. Jet fuel, burning temperatures. All of that. How much did they know? Nonsense (laughs) to me. Most of it is nonsense, to be perfectly frank. But, uh, you know, all those conspiracy theories that kind of came out of that. And then the, the other part of the conversation kind of being that, Oh, man, I kind of don't know where I was going with this, but like, I guess that was the context that I wanted to kind of try to provide, like how conspiracy theories kind of jumped off well, after that. But I'll say this much, not to cut you off. Yeah, um, even to this Tell day, <laughs> um, there are people who are still down at the World Trade Center who do have signs, you know, saying 9-11 was an inside job. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to find out more, go to whatever. But, you know, there are people who day in and day out, they're, they're determined to, you know, state their case. Oh, I, I remember what I was going to say. I, I, we didn't really, as Teresa alluded to, understand how big buildings fell when they got fucking crashed into and were on fire. Yeah. Because there wasn't necessarily a total understanding of how these things were built and how they worked. They talk about, like, oh, it can sway a certain amount to deal with hurricane winds and it can deal with a jetliner hitting it. And then there's all these things you don't account for. Which we talk, mm-hmm. we can talk about in a similar way when you talk about Hurricane Sandy or Hurricane Ida, and the effect that that had on New York City, flooding basements, shutting down downtown Manhattan for months, parts of Long Island for months didn't have power or water or anything mm-hmm. like that. So there's obviously that conversation to be had about like how realistic is it to think that those things would never fall under any circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, like, tell, you know, tell us a little more if there's anything well, else. Well, no, I was going to say it's, it's interesting. I think, if I recall, I think it was when I was in college, I had seen something on the History Channel where they were talking about tall structures, one of those modern marvels things. And I think they had talked about the, the uh, Twin Towers and how they could withstand a plane crashing into it because <laughs> at the time they were the tallest buildings in the world. So, of course, you're going to think naturally, hey, if there's a plane, it might accidentally crash into it. Just tip it over like a... Like... Maybe. Are you guys prepared for that? Oh, yeah. It was very interesting because post 9-11, they actually had to put a disclaimer on that program <laughs> to say, well, you know, just keep in mind what you're about to hear was before September 11th. So... Grain of salt. Yeah, it's kind of like we'll me when, I, when I see people shaking hands on television now after COVID. Oh, that's a whole different <laughs> conversation we can go into. But yeah, so then they talk about how you know that it's not necessarily indestructible, but that it can was you know it can take quite a beating. This tower, these towers. Um, the Titanic was unsinkable too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all I will say. All of these things weren't supposed to happen. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. You got in touch with your aunt sometime in the evening. I guess I'll, I'll jump into very quickly um, a little bit of the experience that my brother had, and then definitely definitely talk uh, post nine eleven consequences, at least as far as we yeah. saw them or experienced them or perceived them. Um, in essence, like I said, my brother worked at uh, one eleven John Street. I remember the address at the time, and that's only a few blocks away mm. from the Trade Center. Um, the station that you have to get out at could be the train center to the world trade center. I think it's where he debarked from the subway 
that particular day. I'm a little fuzzy on exactly where he got off, but wherever he got off the train. I remember he described his first experience is you just look up and you see papers floating out of the building. It's like hundreds and millions or thousands and thousands, maybe even millions of fucking like sheets of paper just floating out of the building, like some sort of weird fucking like symphony and smoke billowing out of one of the towers you could see from train station that he he got off at and he he describes it as kind of like okay i guess we all had the same mindset when the first one hit is like holy shit that's kind of crazy and it's terrible but like it's just an accident like it's just like a really 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 unfortunate accident that occurred and so he goes to work um, I'm trying to remember what floor his office was. I think it was somewhere above the 10th floor or something like that in this building. Um, and he's working just like a normal day. And he remembers he sits down for less than five minutes, I think, at that time. I don't recall when the second plane hit. It was just a little after 9 a.m. If I, recall I think it was 903, I think. 903, 906 comes to mind. But it's right yeah. in that time period when people are all just walking into work, basically what makes it all the more mentally affecting for you and for anyone else who's thinking about their friends and family members who might be there or nearby. And I don't, I just, I don't, you know, don't want to minimize. Of course, we do know some people that have lost relatives and friends in, in that incident. And, you know, I, I can't even put it into words how horrible I feel that anybody had to go through that. But, my brother gets and sits down at work and the second plane hits, which is the moment of clarity for him where it's like, okay, the, you don't, you didn't even know what the fuck it was, but you the building's on there. fire yeah. and there's, a, he just, a, there was just a giant explosion. Like it shook his, his desk, shook all the windows, yeah. like sh- sh- probably rattled his fucking teeth. I would imagine. Like if you have an explosion that large that shakes your whole fucking building, I would imagine that that is very much a teeth jarring, teeth chattering experience. So, I mean, long story short, in essence, he kind of went through what your aunt went through. He had to escape downtown over one of the bridges. I think it was the Brooklyn Bridge that he ended up walking over, kind of getting back to, to Brooklyn from there and then making his way back on foot, uh, essentially all the way back to Queens and just hours and hours of calling him, you know, trying to call basically anybody, even trying to get in touch with you, because I imagine that you were probably wondering what the hell's going on, trying to find out where all of our other friends from high school and wherever else were at the time. I was going nuts. I mean, everybody was going nuts. <laughs> Again, I'm, you know, you're pretty far away. You don't, you don't know what the hell's going on. That's, that, I, I'm sure that made it maybe even, maybe not worse. I don't want to put it that way, because like when you're right in the thick of it. That's what I'm saying. See, and that's why else to that too. You know, you asked the question before. I don't know if it was worse being here or not being here. Because, again, part of me kind of does feel a little guilty. Again, that it was one of those... not the feeling you should feel, necessarily. Well, I I mean, what what you saw while you were here was, I mean, as you said earlier, it was a pretty nice day. It was a pretty beautiful day. It was sunny. It was great outside. And then all this smoke essentially didn't block out the fucking sun, but it wasn't quite as bright of a day as it was earlier, especially if you were anywhere near the towers. And so everybody's kind of, like you said, your aunt had to kind of wade through all that madness. I mean, when you're somewhere in Queens and you can see smoke 
from the southern tip of Manhattan floating to Brooklyn, floating to parts of Queens, floating all the way to the north side of Manhattan. It's... Yeah, like I said, you have to be my eyes when have you seen here that? as far as how it was in the city. Because when else have you seen that in your life, right? Have I mean, you ever seen that kind of destruction? Like, no, I don't think any of us have seen that. Like us personally sitting in this room, nobody's seen anything like that. And I will say that I was, to a certain extent, luckier to hear from my brother earlier in the day. It was before five p.m. at some time. You know, since like 9.30 on, it was just hours and hours and hours and hours of trying to catch up with what was going on and trying to figure out where the hell everyone was, uh, including, you know, some people that were very, very close to me, like I said. So the feelings of the day, I guess that kind of like breaks that down for you. Uh, So I want to talk about, I guess, kind of, and again, you kind of thought this would be a good conversation to have. So I'd like to get, ask you to kind of get us started here. Um, post nine 11, like what did we experience maybe personally, if you want to go into personally, I don't think, I think we all kind of experienced some similar personal feelings and in terms of wherever you want to go with it, to be perfectly honest, geopolitics, <laughs> domestic politics, like the, the post nine 11 world, what was the first, or actually, here's a better way to put it. When did you realize that shit was never going to be the same after that? Oh, I think it was the second that second plane hit. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how everybody felt too. You know, it's one thing to see the first plane again and scratch your head. It's another thing to see that second plane and say, "Okay, who's after us?" Because remember, we didn't know anything at the time, and to bookend what we were talking about the last time with Afghanistan. Essentially, terror was against us. It we, was a new enemy in the world. And that's the thing, you know, we it wasn't Iraq. We hadn't, yeah. It wasn't we, Russia. Yeah, we didn't know what country wasn't Germany had come, was, was going against us. And I think that that's kind of where our minds are going for a little bit. You know, who's after us? You know, what country did we piss off enough in order to do what they did? I mean, this is a direct attack. Mm-hmm. And this is in the most glaring and I mean, let's put it this way, like fucked up version possible. Right. And for historical context, right. The last time a foreign entity caused that level of bloodshed and destruction on U S soil was Pearl Pearl Harbor. Harbor. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And that's what finally got the U S into World War Two. Mm-hmm. Some shit went down after that. Well, what about you as as the outsider perspective? Yeah. Not a New Yorker. You you probably saw the second tower hit. Was that similar for you? Or was that a moment of realization for you that things were going to be different? I guess that's a broad way to put it. But we all sort of saw the post 9-11 world maybe at different points. Was there some point for you where you started to really see that in practice? in some sense. I think transitioning into college at the same time, it was already, it was immediately obvious that the world was never going to be the same again, though for my class, you know, moving to college from high school, the world fundamentally changes anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just didn't, 
necessarily have the tools to process all those changes at the same time. Mm -hmm. I know uh, there was one classmate of mine who was from New York City, and he dropped out of my program during that first quarter. And I remember the very first paper that we wrote, our Jesuit professor looked at him and told him that he should sue his public school for not teaching him how to write. Okay. Right. And (laughs) so we assumed that James dropping out of our program was sort of more related to that. But I think about that now in terms of the trauma of what he had just gone through mm-hmm. with and then moving to college and not having any social supports and then clearly not getting the academic support that maybe such a transition deserved. Yeah. Right. Um, but for me, I went to college in Seattle, but because of the timing of all of this, it was my class then that was the age of people who began swarming back to New York, right? Mm -hmm. Because there was some flight from the city in the Mm -hmm. post 9-11 world. You know, there were some people, I worked for someone once who had never gone back into a subway after 9-11, right? People left. My class specifically, the ones who entered college watching Magic New York fall, when we graduated, thousands of us came to the city in droves. So then discourage you. Interesting. Okay. I figured that might be something that would say, hey, this place just got attacked. If there's anything that's going to happen during this war on terror, it would happen. You know, we're seeing ducks in New York. You're saying that this pretty much made you want to come here even more in a sense. Not 9-11, but I mean... You wanted to come to New York regardless, more or less. With it being so iconic, right? It was that hint that icons could fall. And so New York wasn't going to be there forever, right? Okay. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Not, was one of those initial tastes of mortality that some people don't really experience until they are much older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. Okay. I got yeah. you. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think you all kind of have that sense. Um, like I told you, I when I came back, I had to go down to see what Ground Zero was. Yeah. Okay. Was This, this was well before they had put up any of these memorials. That I oh, yeah. This is when it was still an open pit and they were still trying to, you know, just go through whatever was down there. Um, just sift through, you know, whatever. Um I came back. For, I came back for the Thanksgiving holiday, and that, yeah, that was only a couple. Of months it was later. a couple of months later, mm-hmm. so you know, still after you know, there is some time to process what had happened, and knowing I was coming back to New York after you know the attack for the first time, it was a little strange. Again, you just knew things had changed from when you had left a few months ago. It was a whole different world, um, but I made a point to go down there before I went back to to college. I had to go sometime during that weekend I was here mm-hmm. to Grand Zero. Um, I just had to see it for myself. And that was 
it was surreal. You see it on TV and you're so far away from it. And yeah, it's unfortunate. But when you see, I mean, just this, this, this hole in the ground and just the memories, it's not like the Twin Towers were a place I went to so many times when I was mm-hmm. a kid. Mm-hmm. But I remember the times when I did. And I mean, there were some tall buildings, you know, they're huge. So, you know, you stand there and you just look up and you do get caught up, I think, in that the awesomeness of just that structure. You know, again, it's in it's a marvel of architecture. It really is. Have either of you watched Man on Wire, the documentary about the No, no I wanted to, but I didn't. Okay, so why or what why not? Uh if if I'm being honest, I'm not. I'm generally just not super interested in seeing this the high wire act. I mean, I mean that's what he, he walks on a wire between the two towers, right? That's what occurred. I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I'm just not generally super interested in it. I didn't really know if, unless you could say otherwise, it has some sort of. It probably has some sort of 9/11 angle at this point. I don't know when it was made. And even if not, I don't know if you're talking about kind of what it brings up, maybe? Just, yeah, the visual imagery of the photographs taken of during his high wire act mm-hmm. as a, a preservation of the, the view from the top of those buildings, looking up how high into the atmosphere yeah. those buildings really stretched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the profundity of the smallness of this tiny human next to the yeah. enormous buildings. Yeah, I, I feel you. Yeah, that's exactly it's haunting how, imagery. It's that's kind of and that's kind of that's a good way of putting it. At least for me, it's you kind of do feel a little small or did when you put yourself next to the towers and between the towers, because I mean, yeah, they're just way up there you're just this small thing in the grand scheme of things right yeah and then to see what had happened and it just that's when everything just kind of came i want to say full circle but that's when it really hit home for me wow they truly are gone it's not the truman it's, show yeah it's not a like, dream we're yeah wake exactly up from. this i'm singing for myself this is this is reality and it's it's a messed up reality but holy crap they it's it's wow. Those things have disappeared entirely from the skyline that you grew up. It was at. yeah, and that was it for me. And the smell was too was missing down from the too. skyline. Yeah. Seeing that every day, driving right? to work Immedi- from just from almost anywhere, you can notice. What the yeah, smell. I mean, it's in the skyline, and all of a sudden, in the span of three hours, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, just the aftermath. Like again, it was smoke coming out of there for weeks. Yeah, the smell. So it that was, was the other less thing too. of a necessity for me to process it because we were just going through it. You know, like yeah. Not, and it's, again, it's not to take away from anyone's experience of the of, no, the, of that. Whether you're from here or otherwise, it, there was a lot going on there, and it, it to me like that kind of ties into like how I realized. I think we all kind of realized it immediately, but there was a post nine eleven world that was coming into play, and like it was literally as soon as I looked at like fucking George W's like stupid face. When yes. he came on TV, oh, here we go. And like they whispered, <laughs> they whispered into his fucking ear, like while he was reading that book, whatever my the hell it was, goat. my pet goat. Never forget that. That was the moment of realization for me. And indeed, 
the thing that that ties into like what you were saying earlier about how not being from here, Teresa, like it was the fall of Babylon, right? It was like this city that you saw and so on TV, there were some level of aspiration that was tied to this place, even from before that. Right. And like, for me, that was very much a moment when I started to become more engaged in what was going on really anywhere yeah. in politics and domestic or otherwise, because at that moment, maybe not even realizing it, I, I just knew that this was something that was not going to go away ever, probably, but at least not for a while. It's going to be in the news cycle. No matter who you are and generally where you're from in America, you were going to be thinking about it. You're going to be thinking about the consequences for you personally or otherwise for the nation as a whole. I mean, we all, everybody was, everybody was a New Yorker right after that shit happened. Yeah, for a brief right? minute. See, and it's funny you mentioned that. Before they told us to go fuck ourselves it's over very, the last few years. But I guess to talk about one of those post 9-11 things, right? I mean, for a while, we, we were united, weren't we? I mean, we really hey, were. somebody attacked us or terror attacked us. And let's go get terror. Go, get Go that America, Bin Laden, fellow, and and we we had that sense of unity. Uh, it, it went away clearly at some point, but <laughs> you know, it, it unfortunately yeah. took a tragedy for America to 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 unite. I it always does, right. and sometimes and, it doesn't work anymore. Like the theory behind the Watchmen. Right. Keep everybody <laughs> focused on the magical octopi mm-hmm, falling mm-hmm. from the sky mm-hmm. so we don't tear each other apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody yeah. was focused on that for a little yeah. while. Everybody was focused on who the enemy is. And I think we misdirected that as we talked about on our most recent conversation about Afghanistan. Yeah. The narrative changed a little bit along the way. We didn't even talk about Iraq. I mean, that. We'll, we'll maybe leave some space before we even entertain that conversation again, because we've been pretty heavy on what's been going on. I don't want to say in, in our conflict with the Middle East, but that's what it turned into, right? I mean, that's for me, that's what I said in the podcast about Afghanistan. I was just really worried and I understood enough about the world, I guess, even as a young man, like I said, I was 21 years old. I understood enough about the world to know from previous World Trade Center attacks, from the way that we saw people like Osama bin Laden, the way that we kind of projected that image of the Arab or Muslim or Persian terrorist and this is how they look, this is how they act. And I didn't subscribe to it. I really remember like always, always feeling like this is unfair to anybody who is of that culture, of that race, of that religion. And I remember thinking like, this is going to turn into a conflict a cultural conflict. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not going to be a war between nations. It's going to be a war between cultures. Yeah. And that's where we got. And that's, I feel like that was the point, right? Uh, from whoever, from Osama bin Laden, whoever else was behind this, the whole point was let's get America into a war of attrition. It will never escape. I mean, that's my opinion. I, that's what yeah. I was thinking of. I, well, you, you, you look at, you have some, to say. Your pen, you have some, <laughs> culturally, we also, turned inward and fought that war at home though um i recently learned and i'll find you a citation that um as post 9-11 islamophobia rose one of the ways that 
that is measurable is the change and the drop in birth weights of um, babies born not just to Islamic women, but to women with Islamic sounding looking names. Really? Like the the stereotyping and the discrimination was so uniform and institutionalized Mm -hmm. that it affected women living in this country giving birth in our medical system. That that's it's like a, a genetic trauma almost to a certain extent. Or it sounds like the, the I'm sorry, that's not the best way to put it, but it sounds like similar genetic trauma that say somebody whose ancestors were in the Holocaust. There, and it's like those those. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we don't necessarily realize how these these attitudes affect people. And it's so subtle that it can be something that doesn't even seem possible or real. In this instance, people who even have the sounding Islamic sounding names could suffer so much as a result of that to the point that it affected them physically. I mean, as a society, we definitely don't pay attention to how much of our mental state affects us physically as well. So that's, again, a whole other conversation, as we like to say on this podcast, Mm -hmm. (laughs) relatively generally. But I mean, you're right. It's, It's just another sign of how heavy the consequences were for deciding that this region and these people are responsible for our suffering. In our unity, we pointed at the wrong target. And another way that we hurt ourselves from a legal historical perspective is we started trading away um, our right to privacy for the hope of feeling safe. For security, yep. Mm -hmm. And you see a shift, you know, uh, obviously without going into the political bodies that were created, but like the mm-hmm. change in wiretapping laws, mm-hmm. we we were willing to give up those rights to feel safer, yeah. not realizing how hard it is to get them back. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's a slippery slope because once you do either acquire, as you like to say sometimes when it comes to things like healthcare or for instance, when you acquire certain rights, then it's really hard to kind of break people of those rights. But when you lose certain rights, generally the status quo becomes this new, this new paradigm where those yeah. rights no longer exist. There's and new floor. It's like you said. I mean, there would be no Edward Snowden, very likely, if we didn't to kind of you know put it right. into a, a the, person. The, there would be as a no NSA, right? That was the Department of Homeland Security. We didn't necessarily want to yeah. get into all the agencies, but you right. see all of these consequences was it, was it as a result Se- of it. Yeah, was Homeland Security created like that day? I think Bush came out and was just like, <laughs> "Do we have a new agency?" Probably. This is the guy who's running it. He wanted He's to be decisive. The same. I, yeah. That that whole day. That fucking cowboy was waiting for that rodeo. I mean. Now, he really was. Now he really was. When you watch some things I've been watching, I have to. Same. Um, last 36 hours, you know, they've been ramping up the 9-11 coverage. So, you know, something that I've seen more of, uh, especially uh, last night into to this morning, you see uh, 
networks show the coverage that they had on the, on the day of. They had the reading of the names this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, they had uh, you know other events that were going on by the Capitol. I think by the Pentagon they had uh, an unrolling of a flag, you know, among some other things. So, you know, there's a lot going on today as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the fact that it's 20 years, it, it's it's just odd being on the other side of that, just knowing how everything was on that day. It's just hard to imagine 20 years have passed. And that, yeah, this is just how we live life now. We go to the airport. We go through metal detectors. We, we go through full shoes. body metal detectors. We a- take off our shoes, our belts. Full pat down for me. Full pat down because my medical equipment's not going through either of those machines. Yeah. And this is just the way of life we're used to. We mm-hmm. have to show full identification. Um, you I mentioned- say we, but like I don't think any of us necessarily or- sitting at this table like actually – legitimately agree to any of these things. It's well, just let's the, put it this way. The collective we had to just start well, dealing with this shit. Let's put it this way. Soon after 9-11, uh, going to the airport was really no fun if you were a person of a certain race, a person of a certain look. Uh, let's just say that there were many times going through metal detectors where, you know, I'd be pulled out or people who looked like me and questioned a little bit more further it's happened on more than one occasion mm-hmm. you fit the description so to speak always <laughs> well you're getting that from a few different angles i would imagine. yeah <laughs> um well you mentioned i didn't even think about it until now as far as one other impact that it actually had stop and frisk i totally forgot about that in new york it was a direct impact it gave it gave law enforcement the green light just to run i want to say roughshod over uh, let's just say laws were relaxed in order for them to to probe a little bit deeper than they should have into the <laughs> lives of certain people that fit a description. Yeah, they had to investigate. Mm-hmm. They had to do a lot of investigating. Sometimes really Further. personal investigating. Very, very personal investigation. Very, very personal let's investigation. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it really was just a, a lot of far-reaching effects in, in essence from that one day that we still live with today. And it even goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier when you talk about conspiracies kind of getting more more momentum from the post 9-11 world leading into where we are today, mm-hmm. where even a deadly disease is a conspiracy, quote unquote. And th- the birth of the 24-hour news cycle mm-hmm. oh, yeah. also comes out of 9-11, right? And... That leads into news as entertainment, mm-hmm. which further then feeds those conspiracy theories. Or, yeah. or those, or, or opinion becomes journalism, and therefore equated as fact in some instances. And yeah, the need to feed the beast, so to speak, twenty four hours a day. Yeah, the opinions... it's been breaking news for the past twenty years. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed. It's been breaking news ever since this happened, especially on CNN. Yeah, op- opinion turns into like essentially a battle of which opinion gets the best ratings, and it's that's absolutely the case. Yeah, when you talk about how that news cycle was born, and you have to fill up twenty four fucking hours of news. Oh yeah, you have to sensationalize a lot of shit. 
there is a lot of stuff going on that they might be able to focus on. Actually, you don't have to necessarily sensationalize a lot of shit. But if they talk about how things are like kind of nice and progressing and, and, and okay, like that wouldn't really get much in terms of ratings on the news. And that was something else that absolutely Teresa was born of the post 9-11 world. Another yeah. consequence of that. Another huge consequence of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, <laughs> this has been a fun conversation, right? We always have fun here. Well, I, fun. <laughs> I, I, it, again, this is one of those conversations fun. that was kind of impromptu. I never expected going into this to have this conversation, to be honest. I got I to gotta wonder a little bit. Like, you've been kind of talking about how the last few conversations we've had on the podcast have been real heavy. Yeah, and I didn't really help my case. You here, were, like, I? lamenting that. And then we walk <laughs> well, outside. So happy things. And all of a sudden, the sun is shining. The birds are chirping. It's just go, like. Go for a walk <laughs> outside yeah. now. The sunshine's going my way. Yeah. Hey. hey. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just. It was just something. Again, I, I just in the back of my mind, I don't know if it was something I just had to get out and express. I think it's okay. I think it was. I think it was. Um, I think that's okay. 2020 and 2021 have been so traumatic. It's like our brains have to process out this old trauma because there is no more room for it. I wonder, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of like for my particular closing thought is I wonder when it's, when and if it's going to give me some emotional hit over the next couple of days because I did like look up in the sky last night and from my backyard I have a pretty clear view of the, of the shafts All of, the light, towers of light, yeah. the towers of light, um, and it didn't hit me, I guess, whatever that means yeah. in that moment necessarily, I it was one of those other moments of realization, like, oh, shit, tomorrow is. Yeah, I was thinking or, again, I think thing. it was already after midnight, so it was already September 11th. I, I think they have it in the night. I'm not sure if it's for a couple of nights I or think so. if it's for the, it's the one night into the 11th. But I was thinking the same thing also because I was outside for a little bit last night too. But I was further away from where the towers were. But I remembered, oh, crap, tomorrow's the 11th. And I looked up, I was just trying to see if I could see the Towers of Light because sometimes you can see them from far off reaches of New York City if you, if, on a clear Generally night. Generally you can, right? Yeah. And it's been a pretty clear evening and For the day. most part. So I didn't get a chance to see them. But again, it didn't really hit me, I guess, clearly until right now. Um, who knew? I just, <laughs> Wow. That's okay, man. Sometimes we get a little therapeutic on here. Sometimes we do need to go through, through, sometimes we all need to go through some things. And if we go through that sometimes on this podcast, I'm okay with that. I get it. I understand the emotion. And I will go through it in my own way, I imagine. And it might surprise me over the next few hours. When y'all get to listen to this, we'll be a few days removed from the date. It will be September 13th that y'all will hear this episode. Ish. <laughs> so I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, right, right. If y'all actually listen to this on the first day, which who, who does that? Nobody listens to our podcast on the first day. A couple of people do, and I really want to thank y'all for those of you that have been, <clears throat> excuse me, tuning in to the podcast. And so we will get into our closing spiel and try to be a little bit more happy and positive with the rest of this day. The sun is still shining. The birds are still chirping. So you can still go out there and, and try to make the best of it today. And I encourage everybody who's listening even though you're not listening on the day to make the best of whatever day you are in at the moment. Yeah. So the, once again, the best way to support your favorite podcast crew 
who are feeling a little emotional right now is to like, rate, share, and subscribe to our content. We would really appreciate that. And we do appreciate those of you that have liked, rated, shared, and commented and subscribed on all of our social media podcasts and other things, including maybe a TikTok relatively (laughs) soon. Yay. So, yeah, guys, (laughs) check us out on Apple Podcasts and rate us there as well. Give us a review. That would really, 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 really help us out. Again, check us out on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Positively Cynical. It's actually at Cynic Positively on Twitter. But you can still find us. Just hashtag Positively Cynical. You'll find everything you need about the podcast crew. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Question, thanks for joining me as always. Teresa, thanks for joining us, and we will see you again in a future episode. Uh, I really appreciate your perspective in this episode. Yeah. Again, I can't thank you enough for joining us today, even though we were supposed to have a totally different conversation, <laughs> which we will get to. Yeah, we will. Well, yeah, I just wanted to thank you both for, I guess, veering off topic pretty much. Yeah. Again, this was really off the cuff. I mean, look, we had some, we had some good conversations prior to recording, so... I just figured let's just go with it. We will so continue. It was, I think it was a good idea for us to do this. Some catharsis. Um, I think so. Maybe so, it will be for somebody else. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Thank you help. guys. Cause apparently I needed this more than I thought I did. So I mean, bless you all. And anybody who lost somebody on this day, I want to yeah. send my heart out to you. 100%. Likewise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to you, to anybody that suffered in any way, anybody who's feeling it right now, like I said, my heart goes out to you. Um, last, I guess, technical apology. Y'all probably learned a, a lot of heard a lot of stuff in the background today. So, um, thank you very much for dealing with that and dealing with us recording in this episode. Uh, and you know, just straight up, I'm not a religious person, but on today's date, I'm going to say God bless to all of you out there. And I hope that you all doing well, and I hope that your families are doing well, and I hope that you continue to do well. So, everybody, take care of yourselves and. From the crew here, peace.